joined as always by my co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland, Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com. That's the mothership. You can always catch us there. Also, tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, to name a few, wherever a podcast is being streamed. Gumby, let's get right into it, as we always do. We are on the the day after UFC 213. Bit of a disappointment with Amanda Nunes pulling out of her fight the day of because she got quote-unquote ill, which is really code word for she had a bad weight cut. Let's talk about this. What did you make of the show overall? Did you enjoy it? Uh, I mean, it, it was a little bit tricky to, like, say, enjoy. That There was, like, a lot, lot of fights where fighters kind of underwhelmed me uh you know like especially like the travis brown fight you know like that whole fight i was just thinking like how is he not more prepared for this fight because it seemed like his gas tank was just empty after like four minutes sure and uh i was on twitter at the time you could catch us top turtle mma on twitter and oh my god the hate that travis brown was receiving as mr rousey people were very quick to jump on the fact that you know this guy is almost out of the ufc at this point on the four fight losing streak it's pretty incredible with him huh yeah and i think the hate is quick to happen for him anyway because he is Mr. Ronda Rousey. Uh, people are much, much more likely to jump on how much uh, not training he's doing. But also at the same time, yeah, he's on a four-fight w- losing streak. I think at this point you have to assume he's Bellator bound. Well, I mean, he does have a win over Matt Mitrione, so that's a little intriguing. And it was controversial at best with the eye pokes. But for me, I don't hate him because he's Mr. Ronda Rousey. I hate him because he's with Edmund, who I find to be the worst MMA coach. Uh, yeah, that, that certainly is not doing him any favors either. I mean, Edmund's one of the most hated guys in MMA right now all right so i don't want to kick off our podcast talking about the decline of (laughs) travis brown's career let's just do this thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle for the show overall um thumbs in the middle yeah i I had the same it was thumbs in the middle um so let's talk about this because it's actually more exciting i want to start with this on friday night you had the tough finale you had my boy jesse taylor getting the rear naked choke in the second round to win the tough comeback season i thought that was very exciting i've always been a jesse taylor fan and i was happy to see him get back into the ufc this way and then of course the main event was maybe fight of the year yeah justin gaethje uh tkoing michael johnson what did you make of that performance I thought it was just amazing and 100% sold me as Justin Gaethje's for real. Because coming into that fight, you know, he, he is the World Series of Fighting champ, the last ever World Series of Fighting champ. And he had some good fights there, but he just never beat anybody of name value to me. And I, I just said to myself, I'm like, I don't know if when he fights UFC level guys, if he's going to be able to take their best punch. And he did. He took Michael Johnson's best punch and then some. Mm-hmm. Sing it, sister. Now, a lot of people online were saying maybe the UFC should have promoted him more. I feel like he was in the main event of his first UFC fight. I mean, I think they promoted him just fine. What do you make of that? I think I think to some extent they promoted him fine because he was in the main event. But because it was like the, the lead-in to International Fight Week... I feel like that card kind of got overlooked anyway. Um, even with UFC one or two thirteen not having like a crazy main event that we were all you know like itching to get to, the the fights that come before the big international fight week card is are always overlooked. Like, can you tell me who main evented any of the cards leading up to? Any of the other international fight weeks? I mean, you're stretching the bounds of my memory, but I know last year was uh, RDA and Eddie Alvarez. I was very pumped for that Actually, fight. You're, 
you're making me look terrible then. So, <laughs> but, but my point, my point basically being is, yeah, that, I, I think that that card got overlooked. And if you look at all of the like highlights leading into that card too, there's like one or two highlights of of Justin Gaethje doing anything. Like he let, there's like a video of him like leg kicking somebody in the intro package, but nothing after that. But well, so what more would you want? Because they don't have the footage really of him, right? Because he's not been no, in the UFC that, before. That's, that's true, but they don't seem to to make or didn't seem, I should say, to make any effort to like educate that like rabid UFC fan who hasn't been introduced to Justin Gaethje, and I guess most people have by this point, if you're like a diehard, and especially if you're listening to the show, but I guess I, I felt like they didn't educate the, the like diehard UFC-only type fan about who this guy was. Alright, well I guess you're, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with you, but you're bringing up a good point, I guess, uh, to Devil's Advocate, to your point, um, or actually, to your point, I want to say, they could have done like a 30-minute UFC.com special who is Justin Gaethje kind of thing. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know what I, yeah, I don't know what more they could have really done though. It you know, cuz it was his yeah, first I fight could... and they handed him the main event slot. Here's here's what I'd say. Yeah. Uh, let me bring up the point as to why you might feel that way. Uh is it possible now you go back last year you had Brock versus Mark Hunt popped a over million buy rate for Brock's return of course Jones versus Cormier was supposed to be the main event unfortunately that got scrapped at the last minute but the whole week heading into that people were pumped right and the the year before Jose Aldo pulls out at the last minute but Mendez steps in and people were still crunk because uh, I feel like Brendan Schaub using the phrase crunk but people were still going crazy because you had a Connor fight on international fight week and the year before you had Weidman Machida kind of at the height of Weidman's ascendancy to the top of the middleweight division. He had just come off two big wins over Anderson Silva back-to-back, and then you had Ronda Rousey in the co-main event uh, punching Alexis Davis's face in, you know, in 16 seconds. So this year... More, you know, more than any time in the past three years, there just wasn't a lot of hype around Saturday. So you know, there's not going to be a lot of hype around Friday. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. So to your point, you, you're saying that you think that the fact that he didn't get promoted falls more on the fact that UFC 213 was, as far as as far as international fight week cards, kind of a dud. It was a dud. Yeah. <laughs> let's be absolutely honest. And let's, the... let's call let's call a spade a spade because <laughs> it should have been, you know, UFC 214 should have been international fight week. But, if they could pull up a card like that, that's the kind of card you're looking for. Now, a lot of people, obviously, and I thought it was interesting, you know, there was no flyweight fight this weekend. And that obviously could just be random matchmaking. But when you hear rumors about Dana threatening to scrap the division and you don't even have a flyweight fight on the whole week of international fight week and obviously dj and and the promotion are kind of in a little bit of a spat right now um he feels he hasn't been promoted right you just brought up this idea that maybe gaichi wasn't promoted right i guess the question becomes you know there's this uh phrase being thrown around like the machine isn't getting behind certain people do you feel that way like the machine isn't getting behind the promotional machine isn't getting behind certain fighters right now i mean i feel like it is but at the same time like does it I don't know that the UFC can do anything to make stars because if they could do things to make stars, they'd make them right. Like the complaint right now about the UFC and why they're not selling well is because they don't have enough start. You know, like they don't have enough Ronda Rousey's and, and Conor McGregor's to go around. And right now, neither of those two are fighting MMA. I, I think if they have the power to make Ronda Rousey's and, and Conor McGregor's, they'd have a whole fucking stable of them. 
I think that's a good point. I mean, I think the UFC, you have to do a certain level of, I mean, let's face it, you need some highlight reel finishes, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And once you get that, they can, there is a promotional machine to me. I don't think that's fabricated. You know, here's a great example. Yesterday, Amanda Nunes pulls out of her fight. Did you see what Dana White was doing on his Twitter yesterday? I did not. Okay. He started tweeting about how Joanna wanted the fight with Shevchenko. Day of. All right. No athletic commission. And that is, makes Joanna. Yeah, that makes Joanna look like a crazy person. Yeah, it was never going to happen, right? It was never going to happen. But by Dana tweeting to his 4 million Twitter followers, and he's the head of the promotion, oh, this chick Joanna, she's the best, she wants to fight, she's an animal. That, to me, is promotional tactics. That fight was never going to happen. But Dana doing it gives Joanna a bit of a push, and deservedly so. I love Joanna. I'm not complaining about it. But there are little things the UFC can do to help push a fighter, and I think you saw that a lot when Cowboy Cerrone was fighting every three months. Dana loved that. Cowboy Cerrone never says no to a fight, and I think he got special treatment. And you heard about this, too, like when Monster Energy would go to the UFC and say, we want to sponsor some athletes on the side, you know, like an individual deal with Monster Energy, the UFC gives them a list. All right, well, here are the 10 fighters that we think you should sponsor. So if you're not in the promotional's good graces, that's the kind of, you know, that's where the machine can help. But I agree with you that they can't just arbitrarily pick someone, i.e. Sage Northcutt, and make him the next big pay-per-view king. Yeah, so I'm going to bring it back to a point you said a second ago, too, because now I'm a little bit interested in your take on this. Do you think that 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 type of like Twitter promotional stuff is more beneficial or does more for a person's career than highlight videos, commercials, things like that? You're talking to someone that outside of Top Turtle MMA Twitter doesn't have social media, but yes, I think it's the world we live in. I think the president of this country has even admitted that it helped get him elected president. I think what Dana and those guys do on their social media, and I think the UFC, the UFC social media itself has like a few million Twitter followers, more than any individual fighter. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when the UFC... Pr- promote someone on social media that is a huge sign of who they are trying to get behind who the machine is behind and i think it is beneficial i don't think i've ever even thought about it that way either too and and not even like the the like large scale promotional stuff like you're talking about like the ufc's you know official account and showing a highlight video of something they did but like that that dana white like guerrilla marketing sort Mm -hmm. of deal and and how he's getting to his followers and promoting people that way that that's interesting to me because i i don't follow Dana White enough to know, you know, who he's promoting, and, and maybe that's the diehard in me. But you're probably right about common fans about who he's who that, he's pushing out to the the public. That's exactly what I was just going to say. It's like to you and me, we know Dana. He, he's a bullshit artist. Yeah, and and and, what, and and we know how good people like Amanda Nunes is, and you know, we we don't need him to be pumping her or Yuani on JCheck in our face to know that they're you know one of the best in the world. But, but when it's a common fan, a common fan, Dana White saying. Yeah, and I was you want a champion, the craziest bitch on the planet is is going to do something. And, and I was going to say, and not to mention that Dana and at this point WME, the parent company, um, they have connections to mainstream media. So when he says something, TMZ, ESPN, USA Today, they're going to take note 
and then that's what's going to filter out to the mainstream public. So I think what Dana and the UFC do on their social media, that's what I think some of these up-and-coming fighters get frustrated with when they can't get that you know kind of mention or um, mm-hmm. just that hype, you know? Um, let's take it back to the event itself. Let's just go, uh, we'll go through it real quick, at least at the key fights. Robert Whitaker got the decision victory over Yoel Romero. I think Romero tired, uh, late in the fight as many people thought he would. Uh, what did you make of the performance and, and what do you make of where both fighters go next? Uh, I, I was just absolutely wowed by, uh, Robert Whitaker's takedown defense and his ability to get off when he did get taken down. I thought it was so impressive. You can tell he's clearly been working on his wrestling. Um, and I said it in the preview show a little bit too, that I, th- I think that that was what was going to be the difference maker that Yoel wasn't going to be able to get him down and keep him down. And he even kept Yoel down for, for certain parts of the fight with, with some uh, counters and transitions. I was so impressed with him, and I really, 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 really hope that they're planning on booking him and, and Michael Bisping next. Uh, absolutely, and with Bisping coming in the ring and everything, and I give Whitaker, we'll save the breakdown for when it actually happens, but I give Whitaker the edge in that fight. Very excited oh, for 150%. the rise of Robert Whitaker. Overeem got a majority decision win over Fabricio Verdum. What do you make of those two and their performances? Uh, never have I thought that neither were title challenger worthy less than mm-hmm. I did after watching that fight. It was dull. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's not really much to, to say about it other than uh, I, either of them demanding a title shot at this point is laughable to me. And and it's so funny to me, too. I thought the same thing. It's like, and Overeem made the most money out of anyone last night with an $800,000. K. Yeah. Oh, my God. 800 k for that. Yeah. He's one of those it, fighters. It, it, that, a lot. They might think to themselves, maybe we should have let him walk to Bellator. If you remember last year, you know he was a free agent for a couple of weeks. Um, he's certainly not. Uh, he's certainly not bringing in the money he's he's uh, he's making for uh, the UFC. Curtis Blades uh, defeated Daniel Omelianchuk. Uh, unanimous decision. Thoughts? I thought he looked good. I'm a little bit surprised he didn't finish him, but uh, you know he's a. A really, really tough prospect. I'm looking forward to seeing more from uh, Curtis Blades. Is Anthony Pettis back with his unanimous decision win over Jim Miller? Ooh, I think so. That looked like uh, 155 Pettis is like sea level cane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the real deal. I, I actually said the same thing last <laughs> night. I said Pettis at range is like sea level cane. I actually tweeted that. Um, yeah, so if you do, if you don't pressure him and you don't get inside and grind him up against the cage, it, it's that Anthony Pettis we know and love. And then I was so impressed with this performance, as I'm guessing you were as well. Rob Font with the yeah. guillotine choke over Douglas Silva de Andrade. Yeah, and, and it's good to see that his submission game's coming around, too. I've always known he's had that submission game, but uh, awesome chance for him to get showcased on the main card, too, after that fight fell through. Uh, you know, I think originally he was supposed to be on Fight Pass, so for him to get pay-per-view looks, uh, it's just going to be huge for his career. The bantamweight division is really stacked. I, there are a couple of fighters there that I'm very excited about. Font, not ready for title contention yet, but a future fight. I honestly believe this, and maybe people say I'm crazy and it's too early, but I, I think Font-Garbrandt is a very intriguing matchup. Yeah, and, and to your point, too, about that being a stacked division, he's ranked 15th. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, he's ranked 15th and just fought an unranked fighter. So, like... They didn't even give him a ranked fighter. That's how how stacked that division is right now. All right, normally I kick it to you, Gumby, and I say, who's another fighter or fight people should go back and watch? I'm going to kick it to myself. I was very impressed with two performances last night. Tiago Santos, to me, 
the TKO over Gerald Merchardt, he looked like a different fighter. I mean, this is not the Tiago Santos I've come to know. I thought he looked so much crisper in his striking, and I get that Merchardt is no Conor McGregor on his feet standing up, but I just was so impressed with Tiago Santos's performance. And then Belial Muhammad, uh, the win over Jordan Mean. Jordan Mean is a tough dude, and I gotta say, Belial Muhammad, every time I've seen him, I keep saying to myself, that's a tough motherfucker. That's like my takeaway yeah. from Belial Muhammad fights. What about you? Yeah, and if you've seen him, so I had seen him fight a couple of times in Titan, and uh, he, it, that same feeling, not like you're instantly like, oh, i got to see another Belial Muhammad fighter, not instantly like, man, I wonder what he would do against you know one of these top five guys, but every single time you're like, damn, that was good, and, and not really much more than that. He's like quietly wowing everybody, uh, and maybe it's his like quiet mic skills too. He, he like doesn't say very much on the mic. He's not like super out there promoting himself, but but like he's damn good. He's damn good. Um, speaking of damn good, I would like to transition now to our interview with two and zero in the UFC, Strong Island Zone Shane Burgos. We had a chance to catch up with him, and I'll play that for you guys right now. However, I want to mention that this interview is brought to you by Band Coffee. Band Coffee makes the strongest coffee in the world. It still tastes delicious, three times the amount of caffeine as your normal energy drink. If you have trouble getting through your day, you're going to want to head to bandcoffee.com, enter in promo code TOPTURTLEMMA, all one word, not case sensitive, and get yourself 20% off your first Band Coffee order. Band Coffee brings you our interview with UFC fighter Shane Burgos. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Flow Combat's Top Turtle MMA podcast, and I am speaking with Shane Burgos, who fights Godofredo Pepe at UFC on Fox 25 in Long Island on July 22nd. Shane, uh, you're a New York guy. This is your third fight in the UFC, and it's your third straight in your home state. Uh, is it just luck that you get, keep getting put on these cards, or is this uh, sort of your demands? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think it's a little bit of luck in the fact that they like my first two performances in New York, so I'm happy with it, though. Yeah, absolutely, and the first two important performances have been impressive. Now, let's talk a little bit about how you got into MMA, because New York is a place with, it, it seems like, 10,000 boxing gyms around. What led you into MMA instead of, like, boxing or a, a, a different avenue? I just saw it on TV. I became infatuated. At, it was like a love, love at first sight kind of thing. As soon as I saw it on TV, saw my first uh, fight. And then uh, I looked up some local gyms. I found a Tiger Shawlins. I was only 10 minutes away from my house, and I've been with the same team ever since. Yeah, and w let's talk a little bit about Tiger Shulman because uh, it seems like it's a gym that's gaining a ton of momentum in the UFC. you got Lyman Good training out of there, Jimmy Rivera, you, all three of them are on this Long Island card. Uh, it's quickly putting together a very underrated team. Do What do you attribute all of the really recent success? Hard work, man. We just we just work hard, and we're finally getting our names out there. We're finally putting our, putting our name on the map. We had uh, one of my teammates, Brad Desir. He fought last night in Bellator and knocked the guy out in the first. I think it was like first round, two two minutes. So we're we're, we're all making a big come up. So I think it's just hard, hard work, uh, dedication to the craft, and we're 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 showing everybody what we're really about. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about the last time out for you, because you really showed everybody uh, what you were all about. Last year, one of your fights was a KO over Charles Rosa, uh, fight of the night performance. Uh, is it something exciting uh, with the money? Did you hang on? Let me rephrase that real quick. Did you do something really exciting with the money or was it like a typical pay the bills and save money kind of deal? Yeah, not at all, man. I got, I got, I just had a daughter. She's only three months old, so that's just staying in my bank account for now. I'm not trying to touch that and trying to trying to buy a house eventually. So 
Yeah. Like standing there, we catch the bills with it. Yeah, so that seems like the smart decision, and it seems like every time we ask somebody what they did with their bonus money, it's save it, put it away, working on a house, working on a car kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. My, after my, last, my first fight, I actually bought a new truck, so that was nice. <laughs> nice. So let's talk a little bit about your division, too. So uh, your division recently got a new undisputed champion in Max Holloway. Uh, did you see the performance over Jose Aldo, and if so, what did you think of it? Yeah, of course, man. I'm a huge I'm not just a fighter. I'm a huge fan of the sport, and I've watched everything. So I definitely saw the performance, and I thought I was, I was, I was impressed, man. He's got a chin on him, and uh, he weathered that, that early storm from, from uh, Aldo in the first two rounds. He came back, and he put it on him. A- absolutely. And so, you know, you're only 2-0, you know, so we're obviously not jumping the gun here, but how, how do you feel that you fit into this 145 division? I mean, you're making a quick run up the rankings, uh, you know, and this could be your third big finish in, uh, in the UFC. Yeah, I think I match up good with everybody, I, I feel like if you're in a sport and you don't think you can beat everybody, then you're in the wrong sport. So I definitely think I match up good with everyone. So I guess uh, time will tell. I'm not trying to jump the gun like you said. I'm not trying to rush into a title fight or anything. Obviously, that wouldn't make any sense. But I'm going to climb the ladder one fight at a time. I'm going to show everybody what I'm about. So, yeah, let's talk about that next fight, too. So, uh, you know, you're, you're only 26 years old. You've had two UFC fights, and, and like we said, you know, they're pretty impressive wins. But you're fighting Godofredo Pepe, who's had a lot of fights in the UFC, very, very experienced guy. Uh, do you see the matchmaking as kind of evidence that the UFC has a lot of faith in you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look at my first fight, I only had seven pro fights, and the guy I was fighting had almost 30 pro fights, and I handled business there. So I, I don't really, that doesn't affect me. I feel like I'm a game day fighter. When the lights shine bright, that's when I'm going to perform. So it doesn't matter if he has 37 fights in the UFC. I only got two. I don't really give a shit. I'm going in there to take him out as soon as the bell rings. Yeah, and uh, so you're, uh, you know, you're you're fighting at home again. We we mentioned already, you know, three fights in New York State in the UFC. Fighting at home doesn't give you any more nerves. Doesn't make you any more nervous. Uh, fighting under the bright lights of of all of your your fans and your hometown friends. No, not at all. Honestly, I've only fought at home. Like the furthest I've fought is Atlantic City and Philly, and that's pretty much at home for me because all my fans and all my friend, uh, family and friends still come to those fights. So I haven't fought really anywhere that I had to fly. I never got on a, on a flight to, a, to go to a fight before, so this is just normal to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Pepe too, because uh, you know all three of his last victories were by submission. Your last fight was against Charles Rosa, who's also kind of a submission guy. Uh, is this just lining up the right way for you? Do you prefer to fight submission guys, or uh, you know, is it, again, just what the UFC brings in front of you? No, it's just, it's just, it's just it's the first name they gave me was him, and I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. Uh, but it is funny that the last two guys that I want that I fight, uh, fought want to take me down, but I'm, that's fine. I don't really care. I, I prefer somebody that wants to try, try to stand with me because it'll make the fight a lot more fun, but I think I think after he realizes he's not going to be able to take me down, he's going to stand with me, so it's going to be a fun fight for the fans, too. Yeah, and, and so, you know, you, you mentioned you like, prefer to fight people who want to stand and bang with you. You know, obviously he's not that type of guy, right? He's more of a submission guy, as was Rosa. Uh, what has your team been doing to, to sort of prepare, prepare, ooh, excuse me, prepare you for this style that is so much different than yours? Same thing, man. We just we, we don't change too much up. We, we focus a little bit more on takedown defense, but other than that, we're doing we're worried about what we're going to do instead of worrying about what he's going to try to do to us. You know what I mean? I'm very confident in my takedown defense. Very confident in my stand up. So I feel like I'll be able to keep the fight on the feet, make him stand with me, and I just feel like I'm going to take him out. All right, so uh, you sort of led me into my next question here. So before we let you go, we always like to ask, when uh, when you step into the cage on July 22nd in Long Island, what's your prediction for your fight with Godofredo Pepe? 
Man, I'm looking for the knockout as soon as that bell rings. Uh, I want a first rounder. My last one went three rounds, one before that one three rounds, so I'm, I'm looking to get back to my finishing ways in the first round, so I'm looking for my first round knockout for sure. Well, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Shane Burgos fights Godofredo Pepe at UFC on Fox 25 in Long Island, and he's calling that first round knockout. Uh, Shane, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate having you on. No problem, brother. Thanks for having me, right? All right, Gumby, there you have it, Shane Burgos. A lot of exciting fighters on that uh, Long Island card coming up, especially a lot of like homegrown talent, too. We've gotten a chance to talk to a ton of the people on that card, and Shane Burgos is certainly one to watch in that featherweight division. Well said, and we have a fight card coming up this weekend that's actually pretty exciting, too. It's out Sunday, of, right? Yeah, this Sunday, July 16th, out of Glasgow, Scotland, headlined by our boy, Jit Sensation, Gunnar Nelson, ranked 8th at 170, and he's going to be taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio, ranked number 14th in welterweight, one of the funner names to say in the UFC. We'll break this down rapidly fire fashion gumby what do you make of gunner nelson santiago ponzanibio who you got here i'm actually giving a way better shot to ponzanibio than i think most people are mostly just because i think he closes distance as well and he's super super aggressive and i think that that's something that if he can get inside on gunner i think he's a more powerful striker than gunner um if gunner can manage to get this to the ground which i think eventually he does and he picks up the win he, he's gonna win that way because there's no way Ponzinibbio can hang with him on the ground. But I do give an outside chance to Ponzinibbio, and probably more so than the sports books are. Uh, you might be surprised. I know you don't have it up in front of you because you're on a beach somewhere. But uh, Gunnar Nelson, <laughs> a, a minus 190 favorite, and Ponzinibbio only a plus 165 dog. I mean, you know, you I almost would have expect. I agree with you, that he would have been at least a 2-1. to one. I, I was expected plus 250, 260. Yeah, so very interesting. It, it, um, so, so it's interesting that numbers are coming in on that. I think he's ranked on the UFC's rankings now, which could maybe sway things a little bit. Uh, the co-main event is Joanne Calderwood uh, against uh, Cynthia Cavijo. Calderwood ranked number 8th. Uh, this is at 135, and uh, Cynthia Cavijo at number 14. Um, what do you have here for, uh, for a winner? I- I've got Cavijo. I-, I hate to do this to you know, just- go in at home fighting in Scotland, but I think she's just going to get run over. Uh, if there's been one she started, it's better to get not isn't good enough, and she's about to fight the prototype of a team alpha male fighter. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo just plows through you, takes you down, and has a sick jits game, and I, I just think that that's exactly what Yoann's in for tonight. Uh, the intern has just alerted me that I said uh, they were ranked at bantamweight. I, of course, am wrong. Uh, Calderwood ranked number 8th at strawweight and Cynthia Cavijo number 14. And I agree with your assessment. I like Calderwood as far as uh, her striking, but I do think Cavijo might pose a better all-around game plan uh, or bring more assets to the table. What do you make of that? Yeah, and yeah, and I, I think just to the, the idea that Joanne's got to make that fight happen at distance, and I don't think she's got the skills to like stay away from her for for even a whole round. I I, I think she, her footwork's good, but it's not good enough so that she can stop the bull rush that Cavillo's going to bring to her in in you know probably two minutes into the fight. I am so excited about this next fight. He's one of two Scottish fighters we had on the show, but you have Stevie Ray versus Paul Felder. Uh, this is a very exciting matchup to me. Who you got here? 
Yeah, I'm going the same thing I said about Cavillo. I just think Stevie Ray's much more well-rounded. He's a much better grappler. He's probably not a better striker than Felder, but he's definitely uh, fights within himself a little bit better than Felder does. Felder, to me, sometimes gets a little bit crazy with his strikes, a lot of spinning shit, um, starts going for the highlight reel. And, and to me, Ray just fights very well within himself. And his wrestling is is super, super underrated. And I think he could just drag Felder down and beat the crap out of him on top for, for 15 minutes if he wanted to. The other Scottish hometown hero we had on the show, Paul Craig, the Bear Jew, is going to be facing Khalil Roundtree. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with Craig. I, I think his jiu-jitsu game is too good for, for Roundtree here. Roundtree's a John Wood train guy. He's definitely got some jits game in there, too, but he's definitely more honed in on his striking game. Um, Craig's a big dude, and, and, and just being able to stay away, hopefully in, influence um, the fight with that jiu-jitsu game, uh, I think Craig gets a submission here. Uh, and then worth mentioning, this is the one other big fight of note to me. You have Jack Marshman versus Ryan Janes. Marshman out of uh, South Wales himself. Who, who you got there? Uh, I'm going with Marshman. Marshman's just a killer with his fists. Mm-hmm. And to me, Janes type of guy who if he can't sub you it's over um and and i don't think he's going to be able to get marshman down um and, and we saw that too in the uh the fight with gerald nurshire if somebody else is on top of him he's also not that great off of his back he's a top game jujitsu guy he's not going to be on top of marshman all right gumby well that basically wraps up what we had to say today on the heels of international fight week and coming up with the glasgow card that we're both excited about we thank everyone so much for listening and the support go to flowcombat.com to check out top turtle mma each week you can also subscribe to us wherever a podcast is being streamed or played or available for download write a review it helps keep the lights on in the top turtle podcast studios i am david tremonti he is daniel gumby vreeland thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week.